Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Well, this is our final session in Guardrails. Thanks for your feedback. And I love feedback, not just positive feedback, but constructive feedback. And here's what I've personally learned in Guardrails. It's a whole lot easier teaching love and grace than truth. Okay, so I, it, it is not, it's not been easy. And you know, every word, every story, every point needs to be thought through and spoken in love. And I want to say this, even if we don't agree on everything, we can still worship together. Okay, so we don't have to agree on everything that we've said in this series. You might have completely differing views. That's completely okay, but we can still worship God together. And uh, yeah, but you know, I, I do believe as a church, we will be making a stand for truth even more as these days are darker. And so you're going to be hearing not more political truth, more biblical truth from this platform because we want to make sure we're protecting our children, our young people, especially with so much of the stuff that's going on around them. And uh, we love our church. We love our church. All right. Why don't you grab a seat? And uh, if this is your first time in Soul Church, this series is here to protect us. And if we ignore the guardrails that the Bible puts in our lives, there is a high possibility we could end up living in regret. Our goal as your pastors is to point you away from danger into safeties. And our series verse is this is our God book and this is our guide book. Ephesians 5.15 is our series verse. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. This series is to help us make wise choices. We're going to tackle one final guardrail today, and it's an issue which I believe sends many people's lives over the edge. And it divides churches, it separates marriages and relationships and friendships now, normally, I wouldn't teach a sermon directed at believers, but we're going to go to Paul's letter to the Philippians, and this message is directed to the church. And so if you're here visiting today, maybe you're unchurched, you're going to take a lot away from this, but the teaching today is directed basically at Christians, and it is a teaching to overcome some of the tactics that the enemy throws at us. You know, the, 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 the tactic of, of the enemy has never changed. In John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief, which is Satan, comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and live life in its fullness. And Chantel and I, we were talking about it only this week as I began to put these thoughts together. We have never known so much hostility, so much um, venom, so much breakdown in relationship between Christians. I'm not talking about what happens outside of the church, but Christians who are fighting and blogging and throwing stones like never before with the rise of social media. And so in all of this, uh, families are being divided and, uh, you know, especially around some of the issues that we've covered in, in guardrails. And the, if you write notes, take this one down. The devil is a divider. 
The devil is a divider. He loves to divide. He loves to segregate. He loves to isolate. He, he loves to put a wedge between family members. Because you think this way, and maybe your son or your daughter thinks another way. The enemy loves to divide. So houses and families and relationships are being divided over certain political issues, social issues, sexual issues, racial issues. There is so much division in our world right now. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and live life in its fullness. And so relationships are under attack. And you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to push our relationships over the edge. Push them over the edge. And by the way, only God knows I need this message today as much as anyone. Because I can get hurt. Chantal and I, we get offended, we get upset. And I can so easily get jaded as much as the next person. We can hold on to stuff. I believe today there's going to be a real healing in this house. You know, and then, then we arrive at church and worship God. Matthew 5.23 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and bring your gift. You know, it's possible to worship God with our mouths and hold something against someone else with your heart. And say that again. It's possible to worship God with our mouths and hold something against with our hearts. You know, out, outwardly we can be like, oh, to Jesus I surrender. Apart from my husband who acts like a jerk. <laughs> Your mercy triumphs over judgment. Apart from my boss at work, who makes me work in the heat. You know, we can, we can publicly worship God with our mouths and we can hold something in our hearts against someone. Matthew 15, 18, it says, Jesus is speaking, he says, these people, he's talking about Christians, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, God doesn't hear our words. He listens to our hearts. God doesn't hear our words. He, he's not actually interested in what you wear. He's not interested in whether you worship with your hands up or hands down. He's not interested in that. He's simply interested in where our hearts are at. These people honor me with their lips. We come to church and we honor God with our lips and then we blog about someone from our heart. So how on earth did we get here? Well, I've been in full-time ministry now for 22 years. I started when I was 10. I'm kidding. This is my 22nd year in full-time ministry. And I have seen the enemy, especially in the last 12 months, wreak havoc in churches, in relationships, in marriages. And it always starts the same way. If you take your notes, write this down. The small stuff. The small stuff. When we first got married, the toilet seat nearly cost me my marriage. <laughs> Some of you are like, what has that got to do with it? Get married, you'll find out. For Steve Morstan, it was his snoring. But you know, it's always the small stuff. And God takes two hearts in marriage and makes them one. Do you know what the devil does? His plan is to take that one heart and make it two. 
That's the devil's plan for your marriage. If you wanted to know what his plans are, his plan is to divide your marriage. You know what the devil's plan for the church is? Is to divide it in two. You know what the devil's plan for friendships are? To divide it. He's a divider. And how does the devil do it? He's always done it the same way. You ready? The small stuff. Everyone say the small stuff. It's the little issues. It's the small offenses which cause the big problems. Song of Solomon says this, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyards. We can all be affected. We can all be affected by the small foxes. Loose comments. Different political opinions causing problems. A few months ago, I just preached my heart out on a Sunday. And I'm standing at, this, at, the, at the front door shaking hands I try to do. And a lady comes up to me and she gives me a hug and she whispers in my ear. She says, you were brilliant last Sunday. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I was brilliant last Sunday. You obviously weren't impressed with this Sunday. That's okay. But you know what? Life's a constant battle with the small stuff. And my small stuff will always be different to your small stuff. Because we're so different. But here's the thing. We've got to deal with the small stuff. You can get a thousand comments online. You have one negative comment. What's the one you go to bed thinking about? The small stuff. The devil loves the small stuff. The devil's into the details, as we've heard. You know, the majority of people, they don't leave church because of big stuff. But the small stuff didn't get included in the team night out. It was overlooked was overlooked when they, when they picked a team. Or I asked for oat milk in my coffee and they gave me dairy milk and my world is falling apart. <laughs> Pastor Nathan Finocchio's hair was outrageous. Somebody sent me an email about Pastor Nathan Finocchio's attire. I know he looks crazy. He is outrageous. And I get an email... And they didn't mention how incredible the teaching was. They were so focused on his hair. I'm like, I know his hair's outrageous. He looks like a scarecrow. You do, Nathan. But people left church that day upset because he was wearing Gucci sliders and had a hairdo like a scarecrow. And they missed everything that God said through him. Proverbs is saying if we don't deal with this stuff quickly, it can, it can spoil the whole vineyard. God's so passionate. You know, God is passionate about unity. He is so passionate about a church that's unified. And here's the thing with unity. You don't have to agree with everything to be unified. I'll say that again. You don't have to agree with everything to be unified. Unity is a spirit. It's not a set of beliefs. It's a spirit to say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to stay in unity to, with what God is doing. If our relationships are unhappy, life is unhappy. And the moment we take our eye off our relationships, whether that's in marriage or friendships, what happens is we begin to veer towards the edge. And here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to push marriages, relationships between children and parents, parents and children, grandparents. He wants to push people over the edge because he loves to watch the relationships, the family home. He loves to watch breakdowns. 
And if a car goes over the edge, it's not just the driver that can get hurt, it's the passengers and those who get hit by the vehicle. I don't know if any of you watched the uh, British Formula One two weeks ago at Silverstone. When the driver, as they, as, they, as, as they set off, and the car it went over the first set of guardrails. Thank God there was two sets of guardrails. And if that car had gone into the crowd, there would have been huge human devastation. And some of you are sitting here today because of other people's choices. A dad left mum for someone else, and you were a passenger, and you're paying for it. A parent never gave you affirmation as a child. And now you're living with so much remorse and hurt and rejection. Yet the Bible has so much to say on this subject of unity. So we're going to go to the book of Philippians, written by the Apostle Paul whilst in prison in Rome, writing to the church in Philippi, which Paul actually started. He pioneered this church, and Christians were not getting along together. They were falling out. They were holding on to the small stuff. They were offended. And so Paul, writing from his cell in Rome, he wants to encourage the church. And the same letter which encouraged the church around 2,000 years ago is the same letter that encourages us today because relationships are going over the edge. I'll let you stay seated for once today. Philippians 1 verse 2. It says, grace to you. Notice Paul starts with grace. I love that. Remember the very first uh, session on, on this series of guardrails, we started with grace before truth. Paul starts the letter with grace. He says, grace and peace from our God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness and prayer. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this as all of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Paul sees the disunity within the church and he sets out, he gives them four guardrails to unity in the home, in the family, and within the church. Now, these guardrails today are going to be incredibly easy for me to explain, but unbelievably hard to live. Okay? So imagine it's like joining the gym, isn't it? You do the tour, you, uh, you fill in the form, you set up your direct debit, and that's the easy part. But who knows the hard part about joining the gym is going. I did some research into the UK gym setups, and over 50% of gym payers in the UK never go. Somebody just got a slap there. I heard that. All right, let's just put that in monetary terms. Four billion pounds a year is spent on unused gym membership. We need to set up a gym at this church. I mean, it's just... Now, why is that? Because it's a lot easier to sign up for the gym than to go to the gym. Come on, I want a real honest moment. Who has paying their direct debit and never goes to the gym? Paul and Linda would love to see you afterwards. They can do a transfer. They can do the direct debit. Switch right there to compassion. Why? Because hearing the word and doing the word is a lot more 
difficult. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. So the guardrails that Paul's about to give us can be applied to all of our relationships. Our spouses, our fiancés, leaders, peers, employers, even our enemies. Even our enemies. Whenever our relationships are veering towards danger... Whenever our relationships are going off track, Paul gives us four guardrails to bring them back. The first one is this, and the message is titled, Guardrails to Unity. Guardrails to Unity. Number one, it is the guardrail of gratitude. Paul starts, he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Now, when he was writing to the people in Philippi, these were not good times. Paul's relationships were not perfect. He's been let down. He's been falsely accused. It wasn't all sunshine and lollipops. So what did Paul do? Stay with me. What did Paul do? What did Paul do when people were letting him down and when his relationships were drifting? He says, I'm going to choose selective memory. Selective memory. When relationships stop doing this, they always break down. When we stop remembering why we got married... The marriage has the potential to break down. Every time we have a little bit of tension in our marriage, and it's very, very rare. Sometimes Chantel has to work through some stuff. But most of the time, okay, most of the time we're good. But every time we have a little bit of tension or, you know, the pressure's on, here's what I do. I go back to the Opera House 2001 where we were dating and I jumped in to shark-infested waters off the opera house to impress her in my underpants, okay? Not just me, there was a whole group of lads trying to impress the girls. I jumped into the opera house waters and then all the girls ran off with our clothes. True story, we were running around Sydney in our boxer shorts, okay? Not for social media, even though it's already out there. But here's the thing. When tough times come, we go back to the good times. And Paul says, he says, every time I think of you. By the way, times are not good when he writes this. He is in a Roman cell and he has been let down by his own people. He says, every time I think of you. Every time. Every time. When we stop being grateful for the memories and the relationships, they can head towards the edge. And Paul said, I thank God for the help that you gave me. That might have been a meal. It might have been a ride. It might have been a bed. But here's what we learned from Paul is that selective memory is our friend. For relationships to move forward, selective memory has to be our friend. I choose to remember the good. And by the way, this is really tough. I choose to remember the good. You know, I had a, my mum is here today and I had a great relationship with my dad growing up. It wasn't perfect. I made lots of mistakes and he made a few along the way. But here's what I've done. Every time I think of something dad should have done or he did wrong, here's what I do. I reselect that memory with a happier one. I'm going to say that again because I know this is tough. Because the alternative is what? Unhappiness. So you replace the negative memory with a happier one. What do we do in our marriage? I think back to the times when things were good and it helps me get through the tougher times. So you reselect. And the quickest way to change a bad relationship into a good one, Paul says, is to be thankful, to be grateful. Thankful for one another. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. 
Imagine if we developed this habit with our spouses, our brothers, our bosses, our mother-in-laws. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> if the first thought about the people in our life is gratitude, what happens is it changes the relationship. Now, this habit will not come naturally. Like any habit, you've got to develop it. And I've used this cheesy takeaway before, but it's a cheesy takeaway that helps me. And it's this, remember the best, forget the rest. Remember the best, forget the rest. If you are struggling in a relationship, I want to encourage you, remember the good times. Romans 12, 21 says, overcome evil with good. Many of you know Chantel's story in 2018. Tragically, her father was shot dead in a drive-by shooting in downtown East Los Angeles. And Chantel, this is her real father, and she'd had, she was abandoned as a little girl and hadn't seen her dad much growing up. But every time Chantel ever talks about her father, and I've seen this firsthand by Limba, she always speaks of the good times. We only saw her real dad probably four or five times. I can count on one hand how many times we actually saw her dad. But every time she thinks of her dad, and her dad was caught up in a whole lot of stuff in the underworld. But every time she thinks of her dad, she only thinks of the five good times. Why? Because she wants to protect and guard her heart. But she always talks about the good times. When we talk to the kids, we just talk about the good times. We only had one memory with, her, with their grandfather. Only one memory to this day we had with him, but we always talk about the good times. And in life, you get to choose the bad times, or you get to choose to focus on the good times. And Paul comes along, he says, I can see that there's a whole lot of relationships that are dysfunctional between Christians and in the church. So here's the first thing I want to teach you. I want you to remember the best in one another. The second guardrail he teaches is this. It's the guardrail of prayer. He goes on in verse 4, he says, I always pray for you. It's not a sometimes it's not a have to. He says, I always pray for you and make my requests with a heart full of joy. He Paul says, I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to uh, be grateful for you. I'm going to pray for you. Now, I want you to think right now, just for a moment, about someone who irritates you. Hang on. I said, think about them. Don't look at them. You're all like, look at us. <laughs> the question is this. Do you pray for them? Do I pray for them? Or do I complain or grumble? You know, who knows that if you nag about someone, it never changes. But prayer changes people. So why don't we, Paul says, why don't we pray about, why don't we do more of the thing that works? Now I want to help us with something today. Who has ever tried to change someone? Some of you aren't telling the truth in this hot stuffy room. Who has ever tried to change someone? Come on, let's have a show of hands. Who's realized you can't change someone? You know, if my husband would just stop doing this, if my kids would just start doing that, if my pastor would just listen, that, 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 it goes on and on and on. We can't change people. Change is a personal choice. Change is a personal choice. But here's the good news. You can't change people, and I can't change people, but God can. But God can. The quickest way to change a bad relationship to a good relationship is number one, be grateful, and number two, start praying. 
And then my question is, well, how do you pray for someone then that you maybe don't like? Thank you. Honesty at the back. You're going to get two ice lollies. Late for church and you're getting two ice lollies. How about that? Next question. So how, how do we pray? How do we pray for someone maybe we don't like? Relationships are breaking down. How do we, well, Paul says, hey, I'm going to help you out here. He gives us four things to pray for when relationships are heading towards the edge. Number one is this. Pray that people will grow in love. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. We're going to pray that God places love in their hearts. Love towards you, love towards the, where the relationship is breaking. We can actually pray on behalf of them that God's love would fill them. The second thing Paul says is pray they will make wise choices. Growing in knowledge and understanding. We want them to make wise choices. We've told them to make wise choices and they don't make wise choices. So we get upset. So what's the second step Paul says? He says, pray they will make wise choices. Number three, the third, the third, the third uh, guardrail in prayer is pray that they will live with integrity. Paul says, live pure and blameless. Maybe you have a son or your daughter or, 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 or a dad or, or a brother and they're making really bad choices. Okay, they're making uh, choices that are immoral, making choices that you're not proud of as a parent. Here's the great thing. You can pray and pray that they will live pure and pray that they will live blameless. And the fourth thing I'm going to throw in there is pray they'll become more like Jesus. Now that's our prayer agenda. You can stick it on your wall, screenshot it. Well, John, I'm not sure that that will work. I'm not, I'm not really sure. No, no, it's in the Bible. Paul says, whenever relationships are breaking down, whenever there's disunity in a family, disunity in marriage, disunity in the workplace, disunity between employer and employee, he says, for those four things will help get relationships back on track. Number three, the guardrail of gratitude, the guardrail of prayer. And then he goes on, he says, being confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Third guardrail is this. It's the guardrail of encouragement. Paul shows us here the power of believing in someone. He says this word, being confident. He has the confidence in his relationships with others. We all need people to believe in us before we can change. I'm so grateful, and they're not in this service, but... I'm so grateful for pastors Trevor and Joyce, if you're watching, who passed Chantel and I this church over eight years ago because we were unready. We were inexperienced. We were uneducated. In fact, we were probably the most unready pastors to lead a church in this country that ever had. But pastors Trevor and Joyce, they pastors this back. And this is what he said to me. He said, John, he says, we believe in you. We believe in you. You cannot change Parents, hear me this with the children. Hear me this with one another. You cannot change unless someone believes in you. Acceptance always precedes transformation in someone's life. Aren't you glad that when we messed up, God still believed in us? And what God wants to do when people let us down and disappoint us is this, and fall short is this, God is saying, keep believing. Treat people 
as they can be, not as they are. It's called, I believe in you. Speaking to Chantel's father's fiance after he passed on, she told us that his last few years were his happiest years on earth, which obviously warmed our hearts, and especially Chantel's. And I know why her, I know why his years were the happiest is because Chantel believed in him. On the three or four times that I saw him, Chantel would put her arm around her father and say, I still believe in you, Dad. Even though he might have been high on a substance, even though he was checking in and out of jail, he, she, he constantly, she constantly said, Dad, I still believe in you. You know, some of the most powerful words you can ever say over your children, over one another, is this, I believe in you, or I still believe in you. Nobody has ever changed by being told what is wrong with them, only by people believing in them. And Paul came along and he said, being confident of this one thing, I have still got confidence in you. He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God still believes in us. He still believes in us. God believes in you. What else can we learn about believing in people from Paul? It says, until the day of Jesus Christ, it's a process. It's going to take time. You know what? There's no one who's perfect. And if we're waiting to celebrate people until they're perfect, we're going to be waiting a whole long time. If you're waiting for the perfect prime minister... In the next few weeks, hold your breath. Because I don't care how much they debate and how much they promise. doesn't matter what political party, left, right, center. doesn't matter what political party. Whoever becomes our next prime minister, guess what? They're human. They're human. If we're waiting to come to Soul Church, you come to Soul Church because you saw an Instagram post and you thought, wow, that looks like a perfect church. Keep coming. Keep coming along, you'll see how perfect we are. You're ready, you know, you want to get married and you found the perfect partner, brilliant. You'll find just how perfect they are when you marry them. God doesn't wait until we're perfect Him to start believing us. So we shouldn't wait for others too. Someone needs to hear these words today. We still believe in you. God still believes in you. Chantal and I believe in you. Sometimes we just need to hear those words. I believe in you. I believe in you. Gentlemen here, we crossed. What's your name again? Yeah. Anthony, God wants you to know today that he believes in you. There's been times you haven't even believed in yourself. Today, God's reminded you. Today, he still believes in you. He's got you. He believes in you. Whatever's happened in the past, God's saying today whatever's fragmented and broken and God wants to bring restoring restoration he's restoring what's been broken as you keep coming to church as you keep opening your word every day and keep praying God's going to bring so much healing into relationships in your life it's a new day dawning for you Anthony amen I think the greatest words outside of I love you is I believe in you I think they're the greatest words that Anyone can ever say, if you're struggling with relationships with your children, 
Can I encourage you to say those words? I still believe in you. I believe in you. Someone just needs to, I'm going to keep saying it until you get a, I know it's hot and stuffy and you're away and you're offering envelopes and you're desperate, you're desperate to take up the offer. And I can see, still believe in you. Come on, God is saying today, he still believes in you. Despite your mistakes, your past, your flaws, he still believes in you. And you might be sweating like a pig in here today and God is saying, I still believe in you. He who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. And number four and finally is the guardrail of love. Paul says, because I have you in my heart. Just circle that phrase in your Bible. That, that's such a, big, such a big three words in the middle of there. It just says, in my heart. This is key. The key to believing in someone is patience. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patience. People say, well, what is love? Well, love is patience. The key to relationship restoration is patience. We wait for them to change. And here's what I've discovered. If people aren't in my heart, as Paul said, people are on my nerves. Has anyone got anyone on their nerves? What is the weather doing to you guys? You see, God wants to get them off your nerves and into your heart. And if I found if I'm not grateful for people, if I'm not praying for people, if I'm not believing in people, and if I don't love people, here's what happens. We start moving towards the edge. That's exactly the enemy's plan. He wants to push relationships, churches, marriages. So which of these four guardrails to unity do I need to work on? Do you need to work on? Maybe it's the guardrail of gratitude. Maybe what relationship is suffering right now because we've taken it for granted. Where do I need to remember the best and forget the rest? Maybe it's the guardrail of prayer. Maybe we need to take that list from Paul and pray over the individual, the situation. The quickest way of changing a bad relationship to a good relationship is speaking to God. Or maybe it's the guardrail of encouragement. Someone in your world, someone in your workplace, someone in your heart needs to hear these words. I still believe in you. Or is it the guardrail of love? Who do we need to start loving? From the heart. You know, what's the alternative to these? The alternative is disunity. Brokenness. Barrenness in relationships. I also also want to throw this in as well. Imagine if we did this with our social media. Imagine if we used our social media to be gratitude, to show gratitude, to pray for people, to encourage people, to love people. Imagine if we used these four filters from Paul, from Philippians, to, to filter our social media through. Does it encourage? Does it uplift? Does it love? Wow. So I want us to stand, and I've written a special prayer for unity. We're going to say together out loud in just a moment, but it's a prayer to help us to love people like Jesus loves. And I know it's stuffy and sticky and all sorts in here. And you guys, first of all, I can't even believe you're here today. I was like, I thought I was going to be preaching to myself. So well done for putting God's house first today. But you know what? I felt this message is the right message today. 
Because Satan's goal is to destroy unity in the family, within the church. So I want us to fight, to fight with peace and fight with harmony. You know, I, I actually don't believe it's the government's responsibility to lead with this. I believe it's the church's. I believe it's the church's responsibility to model unity. I have never seen such a fractured government in my lifetime. Watching Prime Minister's Question Time, they might as well just put a referee in the middle and just let him find out it was disgraceful. And I'm not taking any side on that. All I know is there is complete disunity at the top. So guess what? The church now has to take its rightful place. We've got to lead. We've got to lead. We've got to be the leaders of this nation. We've got to speak truth. We've got to show love. We've got to show grace. We've got to be the ones to bring people together from the left, from the right, from the up to the down. We've got to bring people together and say, you know what? We don't agree on this. We don't agree on that. But we do agree on the finished work of Calvary. And that is enough to unite us. That is enough to keep us in peace and keep us in harmony. It's my responsibility for unity. I'm responsible for unity. God wants to turn broken into beautiful. Beauty for ashes. So let's pray and then we're going to sing that song once more. Let's say it out loud together. Father God, we need you. We ask for your help to set aside our differences and to look to the greater cause, the cause of Christ. We ask that you would help us to truly live a life of gratitude, prayer, encouragement and love. We pray for unity in our land, that in spite of our differences, we would be willing to stand strong together and live out lives with compassion and grace. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing this song together. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. The heart of God is unity. God's placed these really simple guardrails that have been really easy to explain, but really hard carry out and he's placed him in our lives because God loves unity he loves unity in fact this is what he says he says where there is unity there is blessing he says whenever whenever I see unity I'll command a blessing on you and it, you know the quickest way to blessing is to stay unified the quickest way for Chantal and I to be blessed in our lives is to stay strong together as a unit and today I want to pray and I want everyone just to close their eyes, no one moving around just for one minute. If you're saying I'm struggling, there's disunity in my family, in my marriage, in my workplace, in the classroom. You're saying today, God, I'm going to take some responsibility. Whatever's happened in the past, we cannot change, but we can change from today. And I'm committed to being thankful. I'm committed to praying. I'm committed to encouraging and Reminding that individual I still believe in them, I'm committed to loving. Because that is the heart of God. That's how God turns broken into beautiful. Now who's going to respond to that today? Say, John, I need God's grace in this situation in my family. Come on, nice and high. God's got this. This can be the first step. This can be the first step today. Father God, you see every hand. 
where there's been segregation, Father God, where there's been breakdown, where there's been miscommunication, where there's been misunderstanding, where there's been, where there's even been lies, there's been cheating. Father, you've seen it all. You've seen the things we've even tried to hide from you. You know what's happening. And Father, as we've been singing, all to Jesus, I surrender. We surrender right now. I want you to surrender that relationship. Surrender that issue. Surrender it to Him. He can handle it. Father, we give it to You. Your heart, Lord, is for reconciliation. Your heart is for unity. Your heart, Father God, is that people, Father, would come and join together. So I pray for for courage, that we would have gratitude. Lord, You'd help us to remember the best forget the rest Lord we pray right now I want you to pray I want you to pray for that person just pray right now just quietly you pray begin to pray maybe it's a group of people you begin to pray you begin to pray pray that they will grow in love pray that they will make wise choices pray that they will live with integrity pray that they will become more like Jesus Father, we pray that we would keep believing in people, even the ones who let us down, even the ones who spoke badly, even the ones who betrayed us, even the ones, Father God, who should have known better. Father, I pray that people today would move from our nerves to our our heart, the guardrail of love. Because it's your kindness your patience that leads people to repentance. All to Jesus I surrender. Come on, let's sing this out. Let's trust Him with these relationships. Come on, surrender it one more time. All to Jesus. Beautiful. What a great sense of the presence of God. What a great series it's been from our senior pastor on guardrails. It's taken a lot of courage to speak out on issues of truth. So let's thank him not just for today, but for all the work that's gone in over the last few weeks. It's been amazing. It's been life-changing. I love that scripture that Pastor John shared. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you, Friend, let me ask you, have you allowed God to begin His good work in you? Because being a Christian is not about how you look on the outside. It's about what's going on on the inside. You can't live the Christian life by yourself in your own ability. You need to come to Him and say, Jesus, would you come in? live on the inside. You say, how do you do that, Steve? It's actually really straightforward. You pray a prayer and you invite him to come in. And when he does, he'll forgive you of your past. He'll give you incredible meaning and hope for here and now. And he gives you an eternal hope, knowing you'll live forever with him. It all starts with allowing him to come in. So let me ask you again, have you made that choice to allow Him to come in? We'd love nothing more than to pray that prayer to give you the opportunity to get right with Him. Maybe 
you once walked with him. But if you're honest, you've drifted away. You're not in right relationship. The good news is by praying that prayer one more time, he'll come right in. So friend, we'd love to pray for you online or right here in this building, in this section, in this section or in this section. If you want to get right with God, we're all going to bow our heads, close our eyes and I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you say, Steve, that's me, would you include me in that prayer? Then just lift up your hands so I can see it. Then we're all going to pray. So this is your moment, friend. So are you ready? If you want to get right with God, you raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. That's it. Just lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's beautiful. People online as well, you put something in the chat, let us know. So come on, let's all pray. Repeat it after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you. Amen. And Father, right now, I thank you that you're coming into every heart. Every heart that's being opened to you, would you flood in right now? Would your mercy come and transform them from the inside out? In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, that's the best decision a person can ever make. Let's celebrate. I love that. two things we'd love you to do all of you that raised your hands we'd love to give you a gift it's a bible as you leave you'll see team on the way out they've come especially to meet you just go up and say hey could i have one of those bibles even if you didn't raise your hand but you prayed from your heart it would be our honor to give you that as a gift because we want to help you the other thing i'd say is come back to church come back tonight in the 5 p.m it's going to be great it's going to be like a sauna it's going to be epic come back next week whenever. We just want to see you move forward in your relationship with God. Come on, one more time. Let's congratulate all those people who made that decision. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith@soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.